everybody, and welcome back to our NJ Decides 2022 Election Exchange podcast. I'm Brianna Venozzi. We are less than two weeks away from the midterm elections where your vote is critical and could decide the balance of power in Congress. All 12 congressional seats are up for grabs here in New Jersey. So we're talking to the candidates and drilling down on the issues to help you decide where to cast your vote in November. Today, I'm here with District 5's Republican challenger Frank Pallotta of Mawa. He's looking to unseat three-term incumbent representative Josh Gottheimer. District 5, will remind you, spans Bergen, Passaic, and Sussex counties. Mr. Pallotta, thanks for joining me. Thank you so much for having me, Brianna. It's a pleasure. So this district looks a little different from uh, when you ran in mm-hmm. 2020. You've mm-hmm. picked up some, some different towns. For folks who don't know you yet, uh, why should they vote for you? Well, I, I think when you look to a, a representative, whether it's a mayor, whether it's council or, or state legislators, uh, I think what you look for first and foremost is somebody who fits the district. And what I mean by that is, you know, what's important in your district? Does the person that you may vote for have a background that's consistent with what you need to need to either change or need to continue where you are? And, you know, with my background in finance, I've spent 36 years uh, in Bergen County, in Mawa, in the same uh, in the same area. My children grew up here. Um, again, I spent my career in finance and I think we're in a pretty terrible position right now with the economy, not just in, in New Jersey, but across the country. So I think what I bring to the table is not just private sector business experience with respect to how to work. Cause when you're in, you're going to work with 435 other members of 434 members of Congress. Um, so I think I take a private sector business mindset to the table with a background in, in, in economics and finance that I think fits this district and, and what we need right now. This is the second time that you're challenging Mr. Gottheimer. Yes. Uh, the economy looks a, a lot different than it, it did two years ago. You haven't held an elected position. Mm-hmm. How does that seat you to be able to deal with these issues? Uh, should you go to Congress? Well, look, you, you, you look and our, our, our forefathers put this together the right way. They, they put Congress together to have people who worked and lived and were part of the district go to serve in Washington. And it's not a full-time job there. You're two weeks in district and you're two weeks in Washington. And a, as such, I just think you have the opportunity to, when you, when you really work around the district and live in the district, um, to represent that district. So I do think I bring that to the table. Um, it's, it's a different makeup, as you mentioned, it's a different makeup of the district. Uh, we lost Warren County, picked up a few other counties scattered around. Um, it's got a little bluer, uh, but I think the issues are, that are a lot more sort of stark. You know, two years ago, we were looking at a pandemic. Uh, people were focused on health and, and businesses around the district and around the state and the country. Now I think people are more focused on, um, as we moved away from a pandemic, what do we take to move ourselves forward? Mm. Well, let's let's talk about the economy then. I think sure. the biggest uh, item uh, floating out there is the Inflation Reduction Act. Mm-hmm. You have stated that you oppose that uh, that piece of legislation. Um, it would generate, though, some three hundred million dollars in tax revenue. What would you propose to do differently? Well. Uh- I don't oppose the entire Inflation Reduction Act. Um, substantial. We've well, called it a joke. It. You, you have called, it, called a it a joke. And, and I think it is. It's just got, and, and this is a big Democrat thing where you, you put a name on a bill that has nothing to do with what the bill is going to do. Um, the, the Penn Wharton study says the, the impact on inflation is near zero. 
and, and they're, they're a bipartisan organization. There are others that have said that. There are bits and pieces of every bill that's ever come out that, that are both good and bad. Um, I think this was largely a bad move for a couple of reasons. I do think when you look back and you peel back the onion, I think it hurts um, small businesses, businesses that do make less than $400,000 a year. And in a recession, which is what we're in right now, we're one quarter away from negative a negative GDP uh, trigger to actually call it a recession, but you don't raise taxes in a recession. And you look in my mind um, to figure out how to get the economy back on track. Uh, inflation is a big deal. And not only are we seeing inflation levels that we haven't seen in 43 years, we've seen it move from where we were to where we are now, the one and a half percent area to about eight and a half. We've never seen this trajectory. So we got really bad, really fast. And I think the only silver lining to that is we're probably in a position where, with the right policies in place, I think we can begin to reverse it. But I, I, I agree with your, your, your notion that there are some good parts of every bill, including this one, that, that I think are worth looking at. But, you know, I, I think when you have a Republican House, which is, looks like that's where we're going to be, um, I think there's going to be more of a focus on how we move the economy forward. And that's just something that, that I'm excited to be a part of. Are there pieces specifically that you would keep? Yeah, look, I, I, I think when, when you have the ability the, the, um, uh, the ability for Medicare to negotiate, I mean, that is a pure Republican policy. That is using the free markets and the capital markets to find lower prices and to push forward. And I think that's something I would look at. And I would look to, to do that across a lot of our health care um, uh, situations here. So I like the idea of being able to negotiate to look forward, lower insulin prices. Look, if we can help our veterans and our seniors, that's always a plus. And it's not just a plus for the individuals, but it's a plus for the people who will come after. So, you know, w when we're looking at our seniors, um, you know, what we've done, and we, we, we look pretty forward, at, you know, my background is not just to look at today, but in seven years, we will have more people in this country over the age of 65 than under the age of 65 for the first time in our history. The, the population is growing at a decelerating rate, so we really have to pay attention because we're all going to get there one day, I think maybe before you, um, being a senior. But we need to look at, at how we help our seniors and how we help our veterans. And there are, again, bits and pieces of a lot of bills around there. We have to start focusing on seniors. And, you know, with inflation at 8.5%, we've got to take a hard look at that. Yeah, I know veterans have been a big topic for you. Is there an area there uh, that you would look to maybe propose legislation should you be down on Capitol Hill to reform some of what we've seen uh, just in these last couple of years in terms of getting resources to veterans? Well, look, we, we spend a lot of money as a country, a ton of money, and we still have homeless people homeless veterans specifically living in the streets. We know the suicide rates are, are a number that I think twice the national average, 20 to 22 uh, veterans commit suicide. They need our help. If, if these are people who go overseas and stay here, who protect our nation and protect our borders, um, I have asked Leader McCarthy, you know, the, one of the three committees that I want to sit on, um, in addition to banking and finance and small business, is the Veterans Committee. My dad was a Korean War veteran. I just lost him a couple of months ago. And, you know, we, we, we should really look to help those people. Again, we're a benevolent country. I think we should start here and we should look to save and, and help our veterans. Well, I'm sorry to hear about your father. Thank you. Uh, you mentioned Mr. McCarthy. Let's talk about House <coughs> leadership. Sure. Who would you support? Oh, I, I'm not putting the cart before the horse. You know, there's a lot of people I like. Steve Scalise endorsed me right out of the gate. I know he's a protege of, of, uh, of Leader McCarthy. I like a lot of Kevin's policies. I like the, the, the fiery attitude of a Jim Jordan. 
uh, there's a lot of people we'll look to, but you know, I want to I want to get there and figure out what, uh, what what the options are and what, whether Leader McCarthy wants to do it. You know, I know that we have our weekly calls and, and you know, we, we are looking at his leadership and looking what he's done. And if we take the House and it looks like we will, um, it sits on his shoulders that he was one of the people that structured that. So, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And that's uh, that's certainly what I would look to do. What do you think people don't know about you yet um, that you haven't put out there? You've <clears throat> been on the campaign trail for two years mm-hmm. pretty steadily. What do they not know about Frank Pallotta? Uh I'm a Yankee fan who grew up in Queens, so that was tough. Um, but I think what they don't know about me is um, our campaign, me specifically, I'm singularly focused on solutions. It's really easy to complain. It's really easy to point fingers and say this is wrong and this is wrong. It's a little tougher, and you get that from a private sector background to say, I don't like what's happening. This is what I would do to change it. And, and again, you know, even my wife said to me, you know, when I was looking at running for office, um, before I was looking rather at running for office, you know, you complain about what you don't like. And she's one of these people to look me in the eye and say, don't complain. If, if you've got an issue, then do something about it. So when I was looking at the opportunity to try and help on a larger scale, um, I told her, hey, I'm going to look around. And, uh, and I found Congress as something I wanted to explore and something I wanted to look into. And, and I sat her down and said, Patty, I think I want to run for Congress. And she said, of the United States. <laughs> um, and I said, yeah, I think there's an opportunity. It's a very, um, while it's a federal position, it is probably the most local federal position there is. And that's who I am. I, I, I don't want to go to Washington to live in Washington. I want to go to Washington to help the people of the 5th District. I am a solutions-oriented candidate. I'm a solutions-oriented individual. And I would go to Congress to help find solutions for Congressional District 5. Let's talk about solutions sure. then very quickly. Um, let's talk about health care. We're sort of, I guess we can say, in this post-pandemic <clears throat> wave. Mm-hmm. Um, health care premiums are always an issue for yep. folks. Um, as you mentioned, the number of seniors. Uh, especially in your district, are, are growing. How do you tackle that um, when this has become a very divisive, just like many other issues uh, mm-hmm. in Washington? Well, I, I think when you focus on solutions, um, by default, I hope the divisiveness goes away. You know, I spent 28 years in the private sector, um, almost all of it on Wall Street before I did a, a startup. And people don't stay there that long. You don't stay there that long at the firms you stay if, if you look at titles and you look at, at, at uh, other sort of categories. Uh, you, you look to what is best for your organization. You look to what's best for your shareholders and your customers. And the transition into politics was easy for me because in politics, your, your customers and, and your, your shareholders are the voters. So when you look the voter in the eye and you ask them what they need and, and they look me in the eye and they tell them and they tell me what they need, it becomes a lot easier for me to, to kind of sit back and say, okay, I know what I need in Congressional District 5. I wear uh, a Republican hat. I wear a federal legislator hat. But I first and foremost wear a District 5 hat. And that's where my loyalties lie, um, first and foremost. So when it comes to things like health care, uh, as I mentioned earlier, I like the idea of being able to negotiate lower insulin prices and lower Medicare premiums. That's where I think we need to do. We need to marry somehow, uh, and, and we'll wait and roll up our sleeves when we get there, is taking private sector solutions and marrying it to the public sector, uh, to, 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 to the government sector. And that's where I think when, when people stop and, and, and begin to realize what's the best solution, and, and you, you wipe away party, you wipe away everything else, things get easy. 
My, my, my first introduction into politics, my first vote was Ronald Reagan. And I do remember the, the battles of Tip O'Neill and Ronald Reagan um, on the floor. And then, you know what, they had dinner and they had drinks and they went out and they discussed things like human beings. We had uh, Supreme Court justices that were voted in almost unanimously. The best and the brightest minds. Ruth Bader Ginsburg was, I think, 98 to 1 voted in. Everything now is across party lines. What I want to bring to Congress is, is the beginning and the early stages of let's break down the, the, this party infighting and the party across the line fighting. And that's what I do want to bring from my sector, my private sector experience to Congress. Let me get you on the record about a couple of quick issues that have become uh, mm -hmm. particularly partisan. Sure. Uh, you are pro-life. Um, mm -hmm. Are there exceptions that you support, and do you believe that mm -hmm. is a policy that should be left up to states to decide? Well, it, it, first, it should be left up to the states, and that's something I've been, I've been vocal about. My exceptions are rape, incest, and the life of the mother. Um, it has been for as long as I can remember, and when I watch the commercials and I see that two of those exceptions are not noted, it's a little unnerving. You know, there's sharp elbows in politics, but I know— those exceptions not in a candidate's favor and not in a candidate's favor certainly hurt. Um, and, and they hurt certainly the, you know, people who understand where my exceptions are. Um, but, you know, when you've got a lot of money like Josh does and you're able to push something out that's not true, you know, it becomes an issue. I know in my heart where I am. I know who I am. Um, I firmly stand behind the, the Chris, uh, Chris Smith bill. Um, which also, after 15 or 20 weeks, I don't remember what it is offhand, but rape, incest, and life of the mother uh, are, are definitely exceptions that I would be a part of. One more easy one. Yes. That's sarcastic. Uh, would you support uh, former President Donald Trump should he run in 2024 for election? I, I would support the candidate, the Republican candidate that's chosen. Right now, he's not running. He's not a candidate. He's out there. Uh, as you know, he endorsed me two years ago. Uh, but... I would look at whoever the candidate is now, and you know the one, as we all know, that seems to be uh, the, the the name popping up a lot is Ron DeSantis. Yeah, I think he's great. I've looked at Nikki Haley. I've had uh, conversations with folks about what she brings to the table. I think they're a great one-two or two-one punch. But right now, you know, Donald Trump is not in the you know is not in the forefront. I'm not looking for his endorsement. He's not knocked on my door. We're both Queens guys, so I think that might have helped in the, in the last cycle, but. Um, I'm, I'm looking at, at 2022 right now. What's your final message to voters who are hearing this as they're either casting their ballots now or plan to do so in just a couple of weeks? I, I think what, what, what voters have to begin to recognize, in, in my mind, and again, this is a, a, a very private sector type of solution, what, what ails you right now as a constituent, as, as a resident of the 5th District or across New Jersey? If economy is an issue, if, if the security of our borders are an issue, if crime is an issue, which I think they all, I don't think, I know they all are in Congressional District 5, um, then you have to look at leaders that will not only bring about that change, but look away from your congressional representatives or your local representatives that were in stark contrast to that. You know, Joshua was somebody who, who wrote the defund the police bill two years ago. And we've seen an increase in crime, not just across the country, but in parts of Bergen County that we've never seen before. Uh, when, when people are hurting right now and they're looking at inflation and, and grocery store and gas prices, and your congressional representative signed a $1.9 trillion bill about a year and change ago, which was one of the largest bills in the history of our country, you have to begin to ask, are there votes in the best interest of our district? Um, and are, or are they just a party line vote? So I, I think to, to answer your question, Brian, and thank you for asking, is um, 
your congressional representatives are supposed to represent the district. And when you find somebody who you think both values and their voting acumen represents the district, then those are the people you're supposed to vote for. That wraps our chat with Mr. Frank Pilata. We thank you for coming in. Thanks for uh, coming in to talk with us. I also, of course, spoke with his opponent, Representative Josh Gottheimer. So please check out that episode as well. NJ Decides 2022 Election Exchange is a NJ Spotlight News production. Jamie Kraft is the executive producer. Our executive in charge of production is Joe Lee. Rob Rowan is the producer. Elvin Badger is the director. And Frank Brown is our audience audio recording engineer. Chloe Motisi is our production manager and David Krieger is our audio editor. Thanks for being here.